The Youthscape Podcast. Everybody, far and near, preferably further than nearer, welcome to the Youthscape Podcast with me, Rachel Gardner, and me, Martin Saunders, <laughs> laughing at that very that's a very good little intro. Had you had you planned that? No, just dropped into my wow. head. But where I was ramping up to was to say, it's all about me, it's my yes. birthday, it's my birthday. Yes. And whereas I think you are someone that would never, ever let us know when your birthday is. You hate being reminded of it. I'm yeah. like, show me yeah. the love. It's yeah. Let's just get yeah. that out of first. Yeah, it's good. And, and good that you didn't leave it to me to bring that up. But uh, you have um, you, you have actually got a, a, a crown on at the moment. You're actually wearing a, I can just see you on video, you're wearing a... I thought it would just be like a party hat or something, but it's actually, what is that made of? Like Diamante or something? Like Diamante. The children are fanning me currently with big banana leaves. I've got my own personal spa treatment happening. No, none of that has happened, lovely listeners. What has happened this morning is, though, um, I have been subjected. No, I've really enjoyed um, many, 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 many frozen songs being sung and danced and performed and actually they've been beautiful I've, the kids have done a real treat it's been amazing but there was a point where I did say let's just, let's just go outside I know it's hailing it's hailing in Preston Martin it's hailing it's settling on the streets like snow but let's let's go outside let's do something else you went did you go out into the unknown we went into the unknown. And actually, that's the other thing that we are annoying our neighbours with incessantly is um, my eight-year-old loves going for walks, but sometimes it helps to kind of coax her out by saying, well, we can listen to some music. And that is a song that we play. So you can imagine my two-year-old on his trike cycling at people, my eight-year-old with the song, and me who just cannot not be extrovert, we're all singing either Let It Go or Into the Unknown, like really loudly on our housing estate. Wow, I'm sure you're you're like um, you're one of those people who's like such a popular. I could imagine this of you. You know, people who are like popular local figures. People actually set up they they set up like Facebook pages for like local characters. Have you ever seen that? Like if if there's actually yes, you know what I mean. If there's a person in your town who like always walks around wearing like funny clothes or something, they start people set up like pages for like the local character, and I can imagine someone has actually set one up. Crazy blonde mummy. Yes, singing very loudly. Yeah, at 3:30 p.m. every afternoon. That's that's a Facebook group with like three thousand members in in Preston. <laughs> I love if that. I could let some, some power out of that though. If I could institute some things where we maybe we have to have mass singing at 3:30. The other thing, of course, is we're recording this on a Thursday. People know that, and it goes out on the Friday. So of course, today is Clap for Carers Day. And already my two-year-old has lined up all the saucepans and the wooden spoons and, wow. you know, started practising because we make so much noise here. Um, so I am going to try and rein it in tonight and not make any quips about this thing about me. And I, I, I genuinely, it's, this is about the carers and the NHS. But, but because we live opposite a hospital, lots of folks come out and safely distance. There's no breaking of that. But there's lots of people and the police will come out and it's a big deal. So everything in me is like, ah. Oh, it's a crowd we can start happy birthday <laughs> wow but you know there is a rumor that um and of course this is out of date by the time anyone's listening to it but of course you share a birthday with captain tom 
Oh, I know. Oh, bless Captain So It's amazing. He's a hundred, yeah. isn't he? Uh, or Colonel. Is he now an honorary Colonel? I think. So he's got one of his birthday presents, so they made him a Colonel. And oh, I think so. you have to call him Colonel Tom now. And, uh, and so people might sing happy birthday. I've heard that, that people might sing happy birthday tonight at oh. the clap. Imagine you know, if my they, children will they think that's that. for me. <laughs> uh, let's be honest, it won't just be your children, will it? No, it'll be me. And also, my two-year-old is quite confused because obviously we've been teaching him to sing happy birthday and wash his hands. Happy birthday, is how he sings it. So today it was very confusing because it was like, I'm not washing my hands and I'm singing happy birthday many times to this woman. What's going on? So anyway, yeah, so happy birthday to me. That's out the way now. Yeah, we can yeah. move on get down to serious youth ministry shizzle yeah all right so how how are you how are you doing i do you know i um i i did one of those overshares on social media you know about those i did a, a social media overshare about just feeling a bit like uh i i, I fluctuate right so this is how I'm feeling. We're six weeks into uh, lockdown. Your friend Boris Johnson's going to make a, a major <laughs> announcement in a few hours, uh, which will render this entire podcast out of date probably. But, um, but, but I'm now fluctuating between like really energized, really like up for it and ready for anything. And then moments later, a bit frustrated and a bit like I just don't know what to do with myself. And I, 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 a little bit like I want to do Joe Wicks and then I just want to curl up in a ball on the ground. And I, I find that is like a constant state of fluctuation. Which probably is actually very healthy. We probably, if we weren't having these ranges of emotions, it probably would be settling in a bit too much to the institutionalised. So I think having a little bit of will and fight and it coming out in weird ways is good. I, I did actually see your tweet and I have to say, I was like, oh, where, where's the one that was quite controversial? So I went down to that one and completely ignored the one where you were bearing your soul. So I'm sorry, yeah. dear friends. I will now go back to that one and like it or whatever you need me to do. No, so I don't need you to do that. that. No, I want Martin Saunders controversial i don't like it if he's not like causing some firestorm in some part of the christian world it's but all right last... i was already under heavy fire for making a comment about a, a church which we won't mention i know whose youth pastors we absolutely love oh, we love them but we can all be as you say in your tweet silly sausages and yeah. I, think this is examples. I think it's really good that no one is above a bit of you know gentle criticism and i one of the best things i've found in my life is that um is that i seem to be surrounded by people who'll tell me when i'm being an idiot um and i'd like just to be serious for a minute like i don't know if everyone has that and i think it's really important that you have people like we play a little bit of that role in each other's yeah, lives right i do feel like sometimes rachel the person who just drops me a very gently worded message to just should you should you have done that should you have said that yeah. And, Would and, Jesus have done that? Would yeah, he? <laughs> yeah. And I and I probably some very gently would sometimes do the same to you. And it's you do, it, you do it very well actually. You call me out on some stuff, which is good. And it's good because it has to come from a place of deep trust and friendship. Yeah. And you, you, the only people you can have in your life doing that are the people who you absolutely know a hundred percent are for you. And you know, you therefore it comes in a in a context of trust. Um, but lots of people don't have that. Lots of people. Like, clearly, there are very famous examples of people who seem not to have anybody in their lives who they're able to get some, you know, just somebody to just occasionally um, tap them on, if not smack them around the back of the head like Basil Fawlty, tap them gently on the shoulder, lovingly. And don't say, approve of, but yeah, don't, no, absolutely. Don't do that. 
absolutely and I do think at, at the moment I was um I've, it was a bible verse I read a couple of days ago like unusual times require unusual bible verses and there's one in Psalm 119 verse 83 that says I feel like a wine skin hanging in the smoke and yet I'll look to you God like it's such a great like what what you feel like a what um but I love the idea that um you know, you're kind of the heat and the smoke and you're inhaling the smoke, but you're still looking to God. And I think that's quite a good verse for our times. I think all of us have now moved to an, a 2D online avatar in a way. Like, and actually we could, if, if we were struggling to be our real selves, this time could be a real nightmare for us because actually we can get good lighting and get a bit of makeup on, like says she, this is what I, I'm doing. You know, and we could just put our best foot forward and not really allow anyone to see the, the mess and the sweat and the, you know, that stuff. And I think we mustn't inhale the smoke of this. Like, it's great that we're online. It's great that we can be doing things and people are watching it and doing Insta Live services and people are watching it. And that's really fun. And I love that. But we mustn't inhale the smoke of that because we, this is good and it is real. But there's also a, a real, a real that mm. is much more intoxicating. And we will get back to that in some way. But, yeah. Yeah. So bless you, Martin, sending lots of virtual hugs. No, I feel okay. I feel okay right now. Good. Now, this is, of course, Thursday. It goes out on Friday, but it means that I always do a little podcast check-in with Martin because the night before yes. my youth ministry, I do yeah. some commenters, I mean, some incredible stuff, <laughs> and just trying different things, which I think is great. So do you have any updates from this week of Rygate St. Mary's being Zoom-bombed or something? What's, well, what's been the latest news? Well, this was the week that we tried to... Uh, uh, become a bit more ambitious with what we did. So uh, if you've been following along, uh, we broadcast on YouTube uh, a fairly, like we find some interesting ways to make it interactive, but uh, it's uh, me and a couple of other youth leaders uh, connected on Zoom onto a YouTube channel, if that, if that makes sense. Uh, and so we do about an hour where we just get our young people doing a sort of watch along and there's some opportunity for them to contribute Last night, we decided to, to actually try to use Zoom to then break into small groups afterwards. Yeah. And I would say there were some highs and lows. <laughs> so, uh, so there was something beautiful about seeing all their faces. And I, I imagine if you've done that, if you've, if you've experimented with online youth work and, and getting the group together, there is something wonderful about just you seeing them and them seeing all the other leaders and them seeing each other. It was, of course, total chaos because everyone was talking over each other and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, and so we'd made this grand plan that we were going to use the breakout rooms feature in Zoom, you know, so you get everyone together and then you send them off into different smaller groups. And, uh, and that we could not make that work. So we did have a good kind of six or seven minutes where we would just look you know you could see like a couple of leaders desperately tinkering around with uh yes. you know there's everything on zoom and looking for a tutorial online and um lots of very patient young people uh wondering if we were ever going to get there and then we did get there we did get there in the end and we split them up into groups and um yeah i did i found the one the one small bit of learning aside from the fact that they did really seem to appreciate just a chance to look somebody else in the eye um was um i found the technical issues were really debilitating so we had we had on my little small group we had two leaders and three lads um and um and and one of the guys had incredibly slow internet and so the other boys were really trying to kind of bear with but you know he was being mm -hmm 
fucking like this and it's if you're 16 that is kind of excruciating to sit through but bless them they were really um they were really patient and we we said we talk a bit about gender and we haven't really done that yet and i know we probably will properly at some point but just a little insight just from just this little group of lads last night is they are saying they are not really talking to anyone so and I've, I've heard this from quite a lot of the boys in my group they're not talking to friends they're not you know they're not going on house party anymore they said to me last night house party is dead apparently house party's dead so but you heard that here first um yes. but apparently apparently kids did that a load in the first couple of weeks and now they don't do that anymore but the boy the girls from you know to generalize do seem to be keeping up with each other with the video calls and things but boys boys just saying we've got nothing to talk about there's no football there's no you know funny stuff happening like there's that so we so we've got nothing to talk about so they don't talk so they might they might play video games together but they're not talking to their friends and so two of the three lads that i had in my small group last night said they hadn't spoken to any of their friends at all for at least a week well so actually you're facilitating social interaction that yeah. that, that that's something that, as youth workers, we always have a hunch that some of what we're doing is helping that. But it sounds like at the moment in lockdown, we're, sometimes this is the only medium for some of that, almost curated. What What do you, on reflection of just the last few hours, you've not had mm. much time to think about it, but does that has that made you think differently about your presence on that space then? Mm. What's your role and your leader's role in that? Well, I think probably I'm lowering my expectations for this period of um, of what we could do when we sp- break into small groups. So I kind of had these high aspirations that we would get them to read a Bible passage over the course of the week, and then we'd do a little talk during the YouTube bit, and then the splitting into small groups would be a chance for us to talk through the passage, um, which sounds very like I've just translated um, youth ministry from 1985 into uh, Zoom. But um, but actually, uh, the, we didn't even get past the how are yous. Like they just needed to have a chat. They just needed a conversation with somebody, a functional conversation about something. And they needed certainly with this group of boys, um, they needed someone to guide them and just to ask a few questions. So actually, I think my aspirations now for uh, for these small groups that we're going to run. Um, are just for some facilitated social action, uh, social interaction, like you say. There must be a number of parents around the country who are also witnessing this firsthand. They're, they're teenage lads and teenage girls, not really communicating, maybe even to them and maybe not to anybody else. And I, I've been reflecting this week, I'm, um, I've been thinking about what is it that makes youth work essential? And mm. you know, the youth ministry aspect, God calls us to this, of course, but, but what makes youth work from the country's point of view an essential service? So they would say, yes, we want youth workers doing youth work. Um, and I hadn't thought about this element of it, Martin. I've, I've been thinking, well, it's obvious we need to have detached youth workers on the streets. You know, the National Youth Agency on the 29th of April re- re- uh, uh, released some stats that they predict 3 million young people are going to be emerging from lockdown with with additional, with extra needs and um, mental health stuff because of um, COVID-19, either triggered by it or directly caused by it. So we've got to get youth workers out and about. But I hadn't thought about this aspect of it, that actually the online space having some safe curation of social interaction in the online space is just going to be mm. essential. They talk about the toxic trio, don't they? Of being in a household 
where there's severe mental health difficulties, a poverty issue, domestic violence, um, mm. and the third one being just no access to good education and, and mm. that, the toxic trio of that. And I guess I hadn't thought about the social interaction bit as one mm. of the things we'd be doing. That's incredible. That's incredible. It's heartbreaking as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I, I had a call from a dad uh, nine o'clock this morning to just say thank you. You know, that's the first conversation that I've heard my, uh, my son have with anyone, you know, wow. for the last week. So, so thanks for facilitating it. And, and, you know, it, we, we, as ever, we're just, um, it's all happy accidents really. But, um, but yeah, clearly it shows how important it is. You're, you've been doing a bit of thinking about whether uh, youth work is an essential service haven't you and an essential thing and um we've actually this week if you uh if you get a chance to fill in the uh the youthscape thursday three by three which i think is running over the weekend i think that's how how it runs yeah. um yeah. We're, we're doing a weekly survey the center for research lucy shuka is doing a um a weekly survey and this week one of our questions is about that and uh, I'll, I'll be very interested to know whether, you know, it's a bit of a, um, there may be a little bias in the sample, but I wonder whether we view ourselves as an essential service to put on a par with some of the other things that have been classified in that way. Hmm. And, and I think, I think this is a really timely conversation for a number of reasons. I mean, nobody's denying that the medical NHS care workers, care home workers are absolutely at the front line. So it's not, it's not saying that I, as a youth worker, I'm on a par with somebody who's working in a COVID death unit. But um, what, what we are saying is actually vulnerable young people, and there are increasing numbers of them because of lockdown. Mm. How are we going to begin to kind of help ease them out of lockdown and, and back into schooling and also process? what they've seen there's a new phrase that's kind of battered around which is called at risk off radar so young people who have not been previously known to social services or police or but the schools have a sense that this is not going to be good for them for whatever reasons and I think as as church-based Christian youth workers however that role looks volunteers we you know we are we are ready we are poised to, to help the response, and I think it's saying to our friends at National Youth Agency um, and others, we're here, we're ready. You know, some of us have been furloughed, some haven't. That could quickly change. You know, we know we know how to do this stuff, and we can upskill the stuff that we don't know how to do. Mm. I think it's really important that message gets out there. It's interesting, Martin, because I I think five or six weeks ago, I think because of these lovely teenagers and young adults at the back of the minster, I suppose I I threw myself into thinking about some of that stuff. Again, happy accidents. Not happy that they were there, but, you know, it, I just stumbled across it. But it's interesting that in this last week, I've had suddenly a number of phone calls from church leaders um, and leaders of all Christian organisations, not youth organisations, suddenly going, oh, young people, yeah, yeah, young people, what's, what's happening to them and what are we doing for them? Um, and I think it's also, if we're youth workers listening to this, now's the time to, to begin to talk about what it is that we do, because I still think, Martin, that youth work Christian youth work is one of the best kept secrets still mm. like lots of church leaders still don't know what it would mean to have youth ministry and youth workers I don't know what they think it is that we would do but yeah. they, they still are not sure and, and they're saying to me what, well, what, what can we do in lockdown like I said I'm saying well there's very little if you haven't done anything before there's very little you can start doing now but you can begin to get a vision and begin to sow a hope and a seed for this and mm. so it is interesting times what might emerge more churches seeing youth work as essential in their mission and our country seeing youth work as essential for the healing of the country and I wonder whether some of that will be driven by the fact that we're we're getting out of the first six weeks 
this and getting into a sort of slightly longer term uh, experience of this crisis now. And I, I do wonder whether like, um, you know, we've all, we've all experienced a six week break before because all of us were at school at some point. So we all kind of know what it's like to break the norm for six weeks, but not many of us have got an experience of it going longer and further than that. And so I wonder whether people will start, I wonder whether young people start to feel a little bit different now. It's longer than the summer holidays this is now going on for. I wonder whether, um, parents that the anxiety in parents will start to increase somewhat i'm certainly seeing that parents sort of saying you know what my actually now i come to think about it my teenager hasn't really had much social interaction for like a month now um and i wonder whether churches will start to hear from you know their um their adult members about their feelings about that and i wonder whether we might see a bit of a um a surge in demand for what it is that we do and know about but i mean all of that is conjecture as ever but hey we've got a few other things to talk about today yes Um, and so i'm going to introduce our guest for today introduce our our interview Um, and uh, she's actually a member of our team at uh, youthscape she leads our local work Um, and this is me catching up with jemima woodbridge Uh, she's uh, been doing some really interesting stuff innovative stuff locally Uh, but one of the things she wants to talk about actually is something that didn't go so well and you may have seen on our uh, live blog already um that joy has written a very honest article about her experience a kind of open letter about what it's felt like actually to try something and it not work um so we're going to talk about that now and then afterwards what we'd actually love you guys to do is send us in um your responses your stories of things you've tried that maybe haven't worked out so i hope that doesn't sound too uh, uninspiring i think this, what we're trying to say is guys this is a safe space Um, So here's the interview, first of all, and then afterwards, we'll tell you what we'd love you to do. Well, my guest today on the Youthscape podcast is our local director at Youthscape, Jemima Woodbridge. Uh, It's been, uh, this is long overdue, this interview, because she's been the uh, local director for quite a while, doing a great job. And we'll talk a little bit in a minute about um, what youth work has been like at Youthscape before lockdown and how that's changed uh, since. But um, before that, Jemima... Um, good morning. Good morning. Nice how, to see you. How are you? Um, how are you getting on in lockdown? How are you coping? Yeah, we're doing all right. We um, our our washing machine broke last night, so that's been fun. I feel oh. like we haven't hit the the disaster zone yet because it's only just happened, yeah. and the boiler went the week before. So you know, all the oh. things that you don't want to happen during lockdown have hit at once but other than that yeah we're doing all right we're good that's not what you want at all so what will you have to do because can you get a repairman at this stage you have to move into hand washing well there's actually currently a repairman in my kitchen and we've been like you know sort of doing the two meter dance around each other all morning (laughs) wow uh, hopefully hopefully it's going to be fixed soon i should have said repair person of course it may well have been a repair woman but it just so happens it is a repair man (laughs) <laughs> so so let's um we're going to talk a little bit about an article you've written for the youthscape uh, live blog which has gone live i think right now um but before that let's just talk a little bit about um what youthscape's work has looked like before the lockdown and also your journey so you trained in youth ministry and you've been in youth ministry for quite a while haven't you so what have you been up to yeah so i am um, been doing doing youth work in some capacity for 10 years and uh trained in london at oasis college um and for, for a few years after that was based in Harrow in North West London doing um, 
some work with young women around self-esteem um, and yeah and doing a lot of mentoring a lot of group work uh, and therapeutic sort of preventative work in schools and in um, NHS sort of uh, context so that was really interesting but then moving over to to Youthscape about four years ago now um, initially began my journey there doing some work with Romance Academy and uh, that was great fun but really um, in that time I just realized I really missed young people and especially the therapeutic work seeing young people go on a, a long-term journey um, so yes yeah, so about three years ago I joined the local team and um, here yeah. I am now. Yeah, and you've been the director for uh, a while, maybe a year and a half, two years, something like that. And so, um, so what, did, what did the work look like locally? Uh, it, we've got a big centre. People probably know that, that we normally record this podcast at the, in the roof of Butte Mills. Um, but uh, the, the, the lower ground floor of that is a drop-in centre for young people, and that's kind of part of where you're based. So just tell us the shape of some of the activities that Youthscape would normally do um, before lockdown. Yeah, sure. So we, well, before now, we, we work in three contexts. So our contexts are Butte Mills, so our building, um, which is really in the heart of the community, right in the centre of town. Um, so that's, that's sort of the first context. The second context is uh, schools. So we work uh, weekly in seven local schools in Luton doing mentoring and therapeutic group work and leading breakfast clubs and lots of other fun bits and pieces and projects. Um, and then the third context is uh, supporting local churches and partnering with them. So we run a sort of monthly youth worship gathering um, and and also we, we kind of, you know, church by church, look at what does that look like to kind of get alongside and um, support them. And ideally, CIM people make a transition from our community projects into some of their youth work projects as well um, and then our, our, our Butte Mills based work which is probably the heart of our work um, is essentially this sort of thriving hub of energy all of the time so we've got um, three nights a week we run drop-in with a dinner uh, that young people can come to for free we've got uh, neat prevention projects that happen all day Tuesday and Thursday where young people um, have a day off school or out of school um, but they are with us um, and they're just it's an opportunity for them to learn in an informal setting how to re-engage in education. We run evening programs, um, so cookery groups for young people who are socially isolated and uh, art projects for young people who are struggling with their emotional well-being. So there's, there's lots going on normally, but obviously since our lockdown, we've, we've, yeah, we've had to work out what does this look like to deliver this work yeah. Yeah, when I, in our building. When I think about... Um sort of the local work the first thing that comes to mind is is coming down on uh, an evening where you're running a meal for the community and you've got like all these tables that they're really clever tables they like they 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 flip down so you transform the room into this kind of dining hall you have this huge kitchen and you're cooking for maybe 40 50 people uh, and they they are from loads of different schools loads of different parts of the community um, and i think wow that is like in a nutshell that is a perfect picture of what youthscapes thriving youth work looks like you can't do that now you can't do anything like that so um so you've written something about this and people can can read but what's been the journey for you of trying to figure out how to shift that stuff into a context where you have to be in your own home uh, and always two meters from somebody sure well 
I'm so like lots of other youth workers out there we sort of thought this is absolutely fine we will just we will work out how we turn all of our programs digital maybe not all of them but primarily digital drop-in digital mentoring what does it look like to do some of our um you know the crazy challenges that we might do what does that look like to do on Instagram live um and so within a week or so we had you know I developed a really robust drop-in uh I guess session plan and um and structure that we were going to use and we'd uh written some safeguarding documents and we'd really thought about how we were going to do mentoring um and so week one came and we were we'd like put all of this in place and we were maybe a few days behind some others just so that we could get all that detail right um and then, so we decided, you know, we're going to go with a big launch. Uh, the team was excited. We text every parent that we had numbers for. We rang people. We did a big social media push. Um, and we were, like, we were just convinced, you know, young people spend so much of their time online. Of course, they're going to come to our digital drop-in. Like, yeah. why wouldn't they? they, yeah. they they're digital natives. They exist in this world. So um, we just, you know, presumed that this would be you know, an easy transition for every young person that we work with. Um, and so week one sort of came and went and we had, we had like five, five signups. Um, and honestly, we were just, we were like, uh, this is, I mean, we, we normally work with what, 70, over 70 young people a week, like just a drop in. Um, so, you know, the fact that we've got five or six signups just felt like a bit of a blow. And which was at that point, we were sort of, we were like, it's fine. Everyone's just readjusting, you know, people, it takes time. Um, people are just working out what they, you know, what they're going to do during this lockdown. And next week, everything will settle down a bit and I'm sure we'll get loads of signups. So mm. we kind of decided at that point that this would be something that we built maybe slightly slower. Um, yeah. You just thought um, they were taking a while to kind of get the um, uh, get the message, essentially, and that, yeah. that, that maybe in week two, uh, you would suddenly have 20, 30, and it would grow from there. Yeah, absolutely. And also just recognizing that, hey, like for now, at least for week one, it just feels like a week off school. So, you know, it's an opportunity to disengage from everything. And we recognize that. And so we sort of, we weren't too worried. Um, but then week two came, and then week three came, and at this point, we were mentoring maybe like five people between us, um, which, you know, normally we've each got, you know, five at one school. Um, and yeah, so, so there, was, uh, there was this sense that this isn't really working how we thought it would. Mm-hmm. Um, but as the weeks kind of went on, there just was this like, this, I guess, like growing sense of deflation and... Mm-hmm. Um, like a, a loss of hope, really. We, you know, something that we were so adamantly sure would work and thrive in our setting just like completely flopped. Like it was awful. It was, it's, and it's taken what we're now at week six, it's taken six weeks to really come to terms with, um, yeah, just the fact that, that that project hasn't, it hasn't been the success that we hoped that it would be. And, mm. I think there's reasons for that. I think, you know, some of our young people don't see us uh, every week. They haven't been part of our work for years and years. We don't have that long-term connection that maybe some churches might have. And yeah, so after six weeks, it just felt a bit 
you know hopeless and I think we at that point we really realized this isn't this isn't going to work and this isn't what we should be doing Mm. um and it's really difficult when you've invested so much time uh in a project but not only that it's I think particularly especially difficult when I definitely fell into the trap of looking out on social media and just see it like just seeing some absolutely incredible work like Mm -hmm. that you know our friends across the youth work world and who are like partners with us in this ministry are doing and so much of it is thriving Mm. um and so and so yeah when you when you see it on online you just think what's like what's wrong with us what's wrong with me why have why are we failing so hard when everyone else seems to be thriving? But um, there was just there was just a moment like a week or so ago when I just, I think for the first time, really allowed myself to verbalise it to others and say, you know, rather than this narrative of like, it's going to pick up, it will grow, they just need to readjust. You know, there was this moment when we had to stop and say, no, no, this, this hasn't worked. This isn't going to work. This, you know, it's, this is part of the innovation process. You innovate things and we talk about that loads, but you, you start things and you try new things, but failure is inevitable at some point. If you, you know, the more you try new things, the more likely you want to fail because yeah, course, it's just part of the process sometimes. So I think there was a moment when I probably allowed myself to, to verbalize it and, um, and, and suddenly realized that actually, uh, maybe it wasn't just us in this situation. And, and, you know, I, there was a, there was a moment when I was speaking to a friend who um, said that their youth work had, you know, I mean, their youth, their online drop-in had had 50 one week and had 30 the next week. And I just remembered all I could think was, well, we've had three both weeks, which means we've got a hundred percent retention rate. <laughs> you know, and it was just this: like, how how can you how can you find a positive anywhere in it? But also, just like, you know, on like that's just funny. But actually, when I was talking to people, I realised I really don't think that this is going necessarily as well as social media makes out. Yeah. And I think it's so important that we share the stuff that's going well. But I think if that's all we share, it, it means that when, when, when something does fail or something isn't going as well as it has been or something is gradually just, you know, draining numbers. Um, uh, yeah, I think it can be really difficult if, if the only narrative out there is actually everything's a success because yeah. you, you compare yourself and you fall short. This is, it's a version of what happens on social media all the time. Like you, you only post the pictures of the, the good times, don't you? You, you, you curate the, your Instagram life or whatever to make it look like everything is great. And I think sometimes we fall into that trap with ministry because even if we say we don't do it, like we're always, we are, you know, it's really hard not to compare yourself to others who are doing the same thing as you. It's like a natural human instinct to do that. And also you said, you said this thing about like failure as part of the innovation process. And, and you, you think, oh yeah, we always say, don't we, that, um, you know, some things have got to fail. Otherwise we're not taking enough risks. You just don't want it to be the thing you're working on that actually fails. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean, because that feels horrendous so what what's it been like for you uh, you know as the person leading the project like personally has it been sleepless nights or has it been you know sort of sense of gut-wrenching uh, all the way through yeah I think I think there's been 
my journey with it has has been sort of you know from excitement and I'm an activist anyway like I, I may sort of get up and make something happen um person and I think I, I just you know I, I I hit a wall where I you know there's nothing I realize there's nothing I can do to make this project work uh, this just isn't working I've done everything in my power everything that I can control I've done and Everything else now is outside of my control. It's outside of our team's control. And I think that was the moment where I just hit deflation and just really struggled to feel excited about the project and the work that we were doing and, you know, still cared passionately about our young people, but just, you know, sort of, you know, almost had a moment where I asked myself, like, do you even understand the needs of young people? (laughs) (laughs) What kind of youth worker are you if you can't even understand what they will engage in or not? Um, And yeah, so I think that was really difficult. I think the, but saying that the most difficult thing has been just, you know, being part of a team. It's, this is not just my project. This is our project. Um, And just, yeah, watching our team as we as we meet together uh, three times a week and just watching them and you know as we experience this together um in some ways that's nice because you can kind of corporately hold it but in another way it's just heartbreaking watching Mm. the people that you love and care about and you know work with every day just experience the same crushing sense of failure that you're experiencing Um, and so that that's been really that's been really difficult. And there were moments where I just sort of, you know, it was easier to not try. Um, but I think that was probably, that's probably a few days, but you know, with, as a team, you can't just sit in that space and allow something to fail and then not do anything. I think that's where there's this moment of it's okay for something to fail. That's absolutely fine. But what isn't fine is to just allow failure to become like the end of yeah. of your journey, yeah. Um, and so we've yeah. So you've done team, something else. Let's just let's just let's just move on to that then. So you you've actually decided to kind of really dramatically shift direction. You were talking about online drop-ins, and now you're actually moving into something that's more uh, safely face to face. So so what are you doing now? Yeah. So well, through the drop-in that we did run and the mentoring sessions that we did have um, and are still having to a certain degree. We just, the young people that we know and we spoke to, and this might be different up and down the country, but our young people in Luton just sort of were saying they are, they don't have any stuff. They don't have physical resources. They just want to actually do something um, physical and practical. And we know in terms of helping young people, um, experience good mental health you know we wanted we were like well how can we give young people like something to physically do how can we give them the experience of feeling proud of themselves because we know that that hugely contributes to a you know emotional wellness um how can we give them um a sense that they are able to serve others because uh, we know that, that that also is hugely important so we came up with a scheme um, called Cook With Youthscape. And so we have been making YouTube tutorial videos um, and recipe cards and uh, giving out some different like recipe packs uh, so that young people can cook a meal. Um, almost a drop-in dinner because we used to cook together as a drop-in, but we can't do that now. But they can cook their own drop-in dinner um, for them and their families. And 
So the key point there is you're actually physically dropping parcels of yeah. food. And, and also, you know, that gives us an opportunity to go to their doorstep and say hello and see how they're doing. And if anything, some of those doorstep interactions have been just so much more powerful than any of the digital drop-in interactions that we had. So they were fun, but actually this has kind of given us an opportunity to really listen to young people's needs and find out how they're doing and, uh, yeah, and respond to... Um, yeah needs in our community so some of the young people that are will be receiving the packs will be experiencing financial hardship and um parents will be having to choose whether to feed uh the family or pay their bills um but there will be other young people that are receiving these packs who actually just don't have stuff to do they are bored they mm. they're not they don't feel proud of themselves they don't have opportunities to kind of yeah feel like they've achieved something so so this this project has kind of come off the back of the the real disappointment that we experienced trying to do digital work and it's really in its sort of formative moments but but I think what we did was we said we looked at the needs and we said actually what we did we jumped into an arena without thinking about the needs that our young people have just because everyone else is doing it yeah I mean arguably that is a great story of innovation in action uh, because you've You've had to you've had to go through the the failure of something to learn a really valuable lesson, which has then propelled something else completely new, which you wouldn't you've just said it you wouldn't have arrived at it without going through the the, the layer of disappointment and failure first. So I think I think that's really inspiring, and I think you coming on here and making yourself incredibly vulnerable and saying, "Hey, I'm leading a project, um, and it was a great idea, and it completely fell flat," is incredibly brave and vulnerable of you so thank you for coming and sharing that and we really hope it's going to inspire some other people to stick their hand up as well and say do you know what actually uh, it's not all as sweet as maybe uh, it looks on some social media feeds so so thanks jemima and maybe we'll talk again in happier times uh, but thank you for at last coming on the youthscape podcast <laughs> no worries <laughs> That's a great interview, um, Martin. And I really appreciate Jemima's honesty because it's very, it's very difficult, isn't it? When you lead a youth ministry, when you lead a team of people to, to be brave enough to say that's not working and actually let's just do something different. I have tremendous respect for her. For I know how hard she works and she's, she's an absolutely brilliant youth worker. I guess, I suppose the question I want to ask you, Martin, is, is failure made worse um, for us to deal with when we know it's something that we think actually the young people would really 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 enjoy and and mm. we don't quite know why they won't need. like there are times where I've made I've failed and I've made mistakes and actually I know I've just not done it properly it was my my fault whatever but at the times where you're like no this this is you would have loved this like yes. this is actually what you need and I guess yeah. I'm in the theme it's that heartbreak of actually these young people they know really well they connect with them all the time and actually they would have really benefited from some yeah. online connection but for whatever reason didn't want it and that must be really extra hard to deal with really yeah it? yeah and the level of of work that had gone in as well so it was not yeah. done it was not sort of done experimentally uh it was like let's absolutely do this brilliantly let's make sure it's yeah. incredibly safe we had so many safeguarding conversations about it internally um so we were really working hard on it there were procedures and policies and forms and design 
all of that work went in. And so when you know you've really tried and you know it would have been great and they and it still doesn't work, it's hard, it's really hard to take because you know you're you're left with you're left with more questions than answers, aren't you? So um so what yeah. we actually we what we're hoping is just this uh story just gives us all a bit of permission um to to share our own stories of it. I don't want, I don't like the word failure, but sometimes it's helpful just to come straight out there and say it. So if you feel like you've tried something and it's failed, um, or you know, you've got excited about something and it's not come off, particularly in this period that we're in, this season, this pandemic season, um, we would love you to do that. So how can people um, uh, send us that stuff? Well, either via an email and we could read it out and do funny voices, you know, love, that, that, love that. that would feel nice. Um, you could maybe record on your phone about length a minute no, no longer than that and, and we will play it you can include your name and where you're from or you can make it anonymous but it'll be really good to capture some of these stories not so that we have this kind of festering pool of oh woe is me but actually I think because we are as you thought because we are at the cutting edge of a number of new you know spheres of this let's celebrate the fact that we are we are taking enough risks that means we're making mistakes like if none of us have failure stories if we're not taking risks are we so let's celebrate our adventurous risk-taking heart by saying I tried that and it didn't work and I don't know why but let's move on that would be great wouldn't it and so we'd love you if you could do this in the next sort of five days how long are we going to give people yeah we ri- over the weekend would be great oh, we, we'd, we'd love yeah. to to get this uh, stuff out in the next podcast which uh, which comes out on Tuesday because the world moves very fast right now so um, so yeah, if you could do it over the weekend, uh, you can email whatever you do to uh, podcast at youthscape.co.uk and producer Amy has already said she would be delighted to edit all this together uh, and, uh, and make it into something beautiful. So Rachel, I don't want to steal your thunder too much Ooh. at this point, um, okay. but uh, today is a special day for me too. I just have a little announcement um, to make. I just thought I should mark this in some way. It's quite hard to mark things when you're not uh you know you're not all together and stuff so um so my job changes today the first of, oh. first of may i have a new job today isn't that exciting oh i forgot that's today tell us yeah. more tell us more yes so well it's a, there's a, a little extra bit of news as well so um as of today uh my job has changed and i've become the director of satellites which is the new festival uh, that we're going to be launching in august 2021 thank goodness and uh I've also just uh, just this weekend we've got an amazing uh, somebody joining us basically to 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 become our first our first kind of extra member of staff on the satellites team. So it's not just me anymore. We've actually got two of us, um, and he's called Robbie Thompson. He is a phenomenal uh, leader and uh, event guy and uh, creative and has been involved in um, some amazing stuff. So he's been involved in leading events at uh, HTB and uh, previously was involved in leading the actual event side of Soul Survivor. So he brings a huge amount of experience. Wow. So I think everybody's been worrying, um, you know, how <laughs> honestly, Marta, you talk a good game, uh, but uh, how on earth are you going to actually put on a festival for thousands of teenagers? And the truth is I'm not. I'm not. No! Robbie's going to do that. Hey! Oh. So, uh, so he joins us uh, on Monday. So uh, really exciting uh, to welcome him to the team as well. So um, he just went public with that. So now I'm allowed to say it, but I'm incredibly oh, excited uh, that we've brought so someone in like that. 
Yeah. Oh, oh, that's really, really good. And maybe we should do a shout out to anybody else starting a new job in lockdown because you don't get the normal sort of welcome, do you? Is it just no. going to be you and over Zoom? I mean, what? what yeah, I don't do? know. I think we should get party hats and go on a Zoom call. Maybe have cupcakes at eleven o'clock or something. And you know, I don't know. Like, what do you? What do you do? I would have loved to have done a sort of. You know, when people start with a new team and they 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 do like an away day. And they go and hire quad bikes or they go paintballing or, or something. I can't do any of that. I've got to find a way of like, how do we start a team when it's just we're on Zoom? It's a bit depressing. Well, what you could do is just show, rather than tell him, you could demonstrate how much in need of his skills you are by just setting up endless Zoom meetings that crash. And then you try and get him into breakout oh. rooms and they crash. And just, just have a day where like any, if he feels any anxiety, which he probably doesn't, but we all do, then he just knows by 12 lunchtime, oh my goodness, they yeah. need me. They need yeah. me. <laughs> I do. That's I need him. So exciting. I so, are you much. still going to be doing the podcast? That's what I want to know. Yes, I am still doing the podcast. And, and what uh, are you still doing with Uscape? So, you're doing this. This is kind of a new sort of departure for Uscape. This is still Uscape, but it's a yeah. whole new part of the work that you're directing now. Yes. What will your interaction be with Uscape on a day to day basis? What will that look like? Yes, yeah, so I'll still be on the leadership team of yeah. Uscape, but my focus, uh, my biggest focus will be on the two events that we run the National Youth Ministry Weekend and uh, Satellites. So, um, yes, I feel like I'm going into the unknown a little into bit. The unknown. But that's fine because you've always got me in your life going, that's fine just when you need it <laughs> very often but look i didn't want to steal your thunder because of course this is what? your this is your this day is right also my thunder you are also my thunder and this, this is so exciting and i think at the moment as youth worker it's all up in the air isn't it the stuff that we plan to take young people to do this summer we can't do the festivals that are still you know that's really tough that the festivals aren't happening and so i think it's good to have some good news stories about stuff that's going to be happening next summer so that's yeah. really good Really, really good. Well, like, thank you. Well, look, thank you for uh, bearing with us through the slightly self-indulgent tone of our podcast today. Uh, we hope you found it helpful. Um, we hope you're already sending Rachel a belated happy birthday message on social media. And, uh, and we will be back to read the best of your failure stories on Tuesday. Oh, we love you guys so much. You take care. Bye. Ha <laughs> ha!